trials come on every hand I feel like going on I feel like pressing my way I feel like pressing my way Though trials come give up singing because I can't do it near as good as they can. But I felt like God maybe uh, disciplined me a little bit, so I said I could be David. He didn't get to build the tabernacle, but he took everything and he handed it to Solomon and said, here you do, here you go, use this to build whatever you need to build. And uh, I'm just thankful. I, I was standing in the, in the Libby Center with prayer last week, and I had started praying a very specific prayer, and I said, God, if you never use me again, I'm okay choose to just discard me, I'm okay. Just let my kids be used in the kingdom of God. And I happened to look up at that moment, my son with both hands raised. And I said, it's all worth coming. It's all worth being here. It's all worth giving lessons in life. It's all worth everything that I've gone through to see my kids being used in the kingdom. I'm thankful today. I'm very grateful to be standing here at this desk two men that mean the world to me. They both have been my pastor. One is now my bishop. And Brother Frost, I love you. I treasure the friendship I have with him. I treasure the time that I had as a saint of God under his leadership. I treasure my pastor, Brother Bradford. 
Little did I know that on a little hillside in Oregon, where myself and Brother Vaughn Pearson and Brother Kevin Bradford, none of us knew that we would, really knew that we would ever be called brother, so to speak. But we would play church, and sometimes it became more than just playing. And the interesting thing was, is we, we loved to watch Jim Pearson play the drums. Jim Pearson was Sister Nola's brother. And just so happened to have in service tonight, Jamie, who is his granddaughter, or daughter, sorry. And the kids here are the granddaughters. And I, we would get in that little room and we would play church and we'd all wanna sing and we'd all wanna play the drums and we'd all wanna preach. And I had a, such a surreal moment not too long ago where I was sitting in that booth and playing the drums. Brother Bradford was the pastor of this church and Brother Vaughn Pearson stood at this pulpit and preached. And I thought this is just a little few days removed from those times in a little, little shed on a hillside in Oregon. But I'm thankful to be here today. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians 1, and I'm going to start at verse 2, and we will read through verse 5. But I do have something I need to tell you all. Last year was a, a tough year, and I wrote a book on reverse psychology, and I have something to tell you about that. Don't read it. Some of you may get that later. Maybe not. <laughs> I think somebody just did. I thought I might need an icebreaker tonight. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And I will let you know what my title is after we have prayed, but I do want to say, I'm not coming for anybody tonight. Um, and I, it will be mostly a teaching lesson tonight, but I'm very passionate about what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about um, mentorship tonight. And I am very passionate about it. I think it's important that we mentor people. We can't just knock on a door and have them come in and lose sight of why they're here. So... Um, let's pray that God would have his way tonight and that he would work through me. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this evening. We're grateful to you, God, that we've come into your house. We feel your presence. We know that your anointing has come into this place, God. We have felt you this evening. I pray that you would continue to touch and to bless and to help us, Savior. As we open up your word and begin to learn a little bit about our purpose tonight, God, I thank you and praise you. And we ask all of this in your wonderful name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I did want to let you know, and I, I will reiterate, I'm not coming for anyone. I am, I am trying to um, express something that is very dear to my heart. And so with that being said, my, my title is Our Purpose on Purpose. Our Purpose on Purpose. 
Imagine with me for a moment that a new couple is having a baby. They're excited. They had their gender reveal. They've done all of that. They find books to help them find a name. They buy books to help them learn to be the best parents that they could ever be in this world. They prepare a room. They, they paint it. They decorate it. They hang the wallpaper. They buy new furniture. They have the bedding. They have everything. Everything is just perfect. And the mother has tried to be as healthy as she can, being conscious about what she's eating so that her baby is healthy at birth. They pick, they pick out a bag, a special bag for this moment. And they get the bag and they, they pack it in preparation going to the hospital. And on the day that she feels that it's time to go, the day comes and they grab the bag. Everything goes perfect where normally things don't go perfect. Everybody's freaking out, especially dad. He's running around. He can't find his keys. He can't do anything. But everything's right. And they get the keys and they get in the car and they're headed to the hospital. And they get out and they take the bag. Everything's perfect. They go in. She gets a room. And she goes through the labor pains and goes through the whole process of bringing forth a child, the emotions, the stress, the elation of finally delivering. And the next day they get up and they leave the hospital and leave the child there. What a disappointment. And I'm afraid that all too often that uh, happens in churches across the nation is that people come to church, new people, and they're left to flounder on their own right out of the gate. This is not, nor will it ever be the case at GBFPC where we love people. Amen? And I think that deserves a hand clap. We love people. And so that will not be the case here. But we need to understand that when new people come along, we have to strive to walk along with them in their journey to a new life in Christ. There's got to be an intentional approach. Can't be lackadaisical about it. There's got to be some consistency in everything that we do. If we look in scripture, we find many examples of mentorship. You can t talk about Moses and Joshua. And I was just saying something to Brother Brock uh, before the pre-service meeting this, uh, this evening. And I, I came across a scripture that I'd never really seen before. And it talked about Moses going into the temple to pray. And ev every man, it said, stood at the gate or at the door of their tent and watched him go in to pray. And that's all it said about him going in to pray. But... They also noticed when he came out of the tent where he had spent some time in prayer. And they, at that moment in scripture, it said, but Joshua stayed in and stayed in the temple and was still praying. There was a mentorship that took place between these two men. And there was a process that happened. And as I look at many uh, uh, areas or examples in scripture, we find that there's going to be a, a transference of not just power, but leadership that has to take place. And, and we see Elijah to Elisha. We see Paul to Timothy. And in these instances, there is a transfer of leadership only after there was a portion of time that the one being mentored was able to see the passion and commitment that was present in the one that was mentoring. If we're going to mentor somebody, it means that we're going to have to not so much time every day. It's not like I have to be with Brother Jeremy Brock every day if I was mentoring him. I don't have to spend every waking moment talking to him on the phone. I don't have to be one that stands around waiting with bated breath. And, oh, I hope he's going to show up and I hope he comes around to talk to me because I've got a lot of mentoring to do today and we need to really know. But there's a way to do that. I can show people what 
how to act and how to walk as a Christian acts and walks. When they come to the house of God and they look over and see if I'm sitting in the spot that I'm normally there, they're watching to see the, the amount of, of faithfulness that you have. They watch when you worship. I happened to be talking to someone recently, and I'm not going to tell you their names because they're here tonight, but they happened to tell me that they enjoyed watching my daughter worship, that, they, that she was one of their favorite praise and worship leaders up here because she acts a certain way that is appealing, not showy, but she's worshiping, and they begin to watch this, and they begin to listen to what she's singing, and they, they're feeling what she's feeling because there's something that's happening in the spirit. It doesn't have to be done by making sure that everybody knows, hey, I'm on the platform now, and I just want you to know that you can watch me any time because I'm here, and I'm, I'm raring to go, and I'm the one in the red dress and the pink shoes, and you don't have to do that. There's, there's people that they want to be mentored. They want to see somebody doing something in the kingdom of God. There's a reason why they're here. And so it's not something that, it's not like you fill out an application for a job and you go through the interview process and now all of a sudden, okay, now I'm going to be a mentor. And you're, you're stressing yourself out thinking, okay, how many hours a day am I going to have to do this? And, and am I going to have to be glued to my phone? And I'm gonna, It's not really like that. But there's a lot of things that we can do to mentor people, to bring them along in their walk with God. What stands out to me in reading about these examples, these characters in the Bible, is that true leaders um, disciple or mentor leaders under them. Those under them, in turn, disciple or mentor others. We cannot expect the pastor to preach every message and teach every message and pray for all the sick people and counsel all the people that need counseling and teach every Bible study and go to dinner with every person. We can't expect that to happen, but he puts something in these men that are very well able to carry the gospel. He has put so much into all of us. And as Paul talked to Timothy and he began to expound on some things and told Timothy, this is what you do in the church. This is how you act. This is what you say. This is what you don't allow. And that, those kind of things can be said from one leader to the next. And then there is a, a process of, of, of lay ministry doing the job that is, is given to us in Scripture. And so we have to teach Bible studies. We need to go out and knock a door. We need to talk to somebody about the goodness of God. We need to be able to go out and give an account for whatever is happening in our life. And, and somebody asks you, what is the reason of the hope that you have? Give an account. Be able to stand up and say, this is why I have hope in my heart. This is why I live the way I live. This is why I serve Jesus Christ. Amen? And so there are some things that we can do to help grow disciples or help mentor people. Prayer was mentioned in our text that I read. Pray, pray for our new connects, our new converts. Pray with them. Go to where they're at. And this is an interesting, an interesting thing to say, I know, and I, I know that a lot of people don't even want to say words, but you don't always have to have a word. I mean, sometimes people feel like they have to have a word to say to somebody. Sometimes just a hand on the shoulder letting them know that you're there and you're praying with them, and you're backing them up, and you're concerned about where they are in life and what is happening in their life, knowing that somebody is there is enough. Believing in them, guiding them in prayer if need be. It's interesting. We, we started giving a Bible study to Sister Willie, and I don't see her here tonight. But Sister Willie started asking us questions pretty early on in our Bible study, and she started talking about her prayer closet. She literally went into a closet and 
she was just looking at scripture and she took it so literal. And she said, the other day I went in and she said, I prayed about some stuff. And she said, I started laying stuff down. And she said, when I got out of there, she goes, I went out as fast as I could and I slammed the door because I didn't want them coming back out. She believed in that. And I encouraged that because you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. But I did tell her, I said, you do know that when you lay things at the feet of the master, I said, they go into a sea of forgetfulness. They're not coming out. I said, you don't need to worry about that. But another thing that happened in that process as we were given Bible studies and we were visiting with her and she would just come over to the house some nights and there was more just kind of getting to know each other more than Bible study. But we did do Bible studies for several months, I believe. But one time I happened to be sick and she stopped my wife at church and she said, how's Brother Fields doing? She said, he's doing a little bit better. She said, he should be here um, next service, and she goes, well, good. She said, because I prayed, and I know God's going to answer my prayer. And that meant a lot to me, just watching somebody growing in faith and understanding that she knew that if she prayed a prayer, that God was going to hear, not only hear, but he was going to answer her prayer. And so prayer is one thing that we can do that is so simple that doesn't take um, a lot of forethought because, I mean, think about it. We should be praying anyway. So <laughs> spend a little bit of time on the campus when we're here in a service. Look around. Find the people that you're connecting with and just go by lay a hand on them. Pray with them. Encourage them. Lift them up. The second thing is we can talk about the word of God with them. Share the word or the gospel with them. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 says, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God, with much contention, for our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts, for neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness, nor, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherished with her children, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted to you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because ye were dear unto us. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. So in this passage of scripture, Paul is encouraging the, the, the new church in Thessalonica, and he's talking to them about the gospel but he's also letting them know he's, we, we love you. We cherish you. We, there are so many things that is happening right now. And they were facing a lot of, um, a lot of um, turmoil, I guess you could say, with the, some of the Christians of that day had decided that they didn't believe the full message. And this church was kind of fledgling a little bit. It was struggling. And he was trying to lift them up and bring some sense back to their, their world and so he began to talk about, to them about the things that he had done when he was there and began to tell them how much he cared for them. And he was sharing the gospel with them, but not just the gospel, but he said, we, we shared unto you our own souls. And so we need to enter into conversations with them about the word of God, enlighten them by giving Bible-based answers. You know, we shouldn't, I, I heard this recently, and somebody told my wife and I, and it was not about us per se, but um, about a church, and they said they, they were sharing things that they shouldn't be sharing really about things that were going on. We should never bring up 
bring up the things that are unmentionable. There's got to be some positive, a, mind, a positive mindset in us that what we bring to the table is always positive and uplifting about our brothers and our sisters and the church of the living God. There's got to be something that tells them, I want to go there. I want to make that my church. I want to be there every time the doors are open. I want to be a part of that church. And so be encouraging and uplifting with everything that you do. 1 Peter 3.15 says, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Our purpose in mentoring people is not to make clones. I feel strongly about this. I don't... I, nobody needs another Martin Fields in this church. Nobody needs that. I can look in the mirror and tell you that there are imperfections in who I am. I can be honest enough to tell you that there's sometimes I look at this dirty, rotten scoundrel and think, how in the world have you made it this far? Because it's a God of grace and mercy that lives in me. And he says, I can use you even though you're imperfect. I can still use you. I told Brother Jeremy Brock, nobody needs another Jeremy Brock, but we do need some new people in this place. We do need a Latasha. We do need an Eloina. We need those people because they're looking for something in a world that doesn't show light, that's showing a lot of darkness, but we're showing the light of Jesus Christ in a world. That's who we need in the church. I don't need another clone. When I'm trying to mentor somebody, I don't want you to be just like me. I don't want you to dress like me. Please don't dress like me. I mean, the worst thing you can do as a, as a woman, and I'm not, thank God, but as a woman, show up to church and somebody has your dress on. Oh, the audacity of that person. I can't believe they went to that store. I mean, everybody shops there. They went to H&M. They picked up the same dress I've got. But we don't want to, we don't want clones. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to bring people along in their walk with God. We don't need a clone of a person or a personality. Our main purpose is to bring them to repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, and seeking for the Holy Ghost, and at some point receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that it changes people. The Bible says, buried with him in baptism and rising to walk in newness of life. That's what I need to be expressing myself in the word and, and in, in, in um the word escapes me, but that's what I need to express with people. It's not my own agenda. That's a funny moment right there. Brother Bradford would never forget a word. And I would always go to the dictionary to find out what that word means because he has some big words that he uses. You're not going to get that with me. You're going to get very small words. If I get something that's about six or seven letters long, that's getting big. One of the things that I'm very passionate about is seemingly I've seen this happen. This is not to build numbers in our congregation. I don't think Brother Bradford goes to his meetings and, and where he's talking about foreign missions and says, I had 620 people in my church last Sunday. I don't think that matters to him. But he, if he had three people get the Holy Ghost and get baptized in Jesus' name, he's talking about it. And so it's not about numbers that sit in our pews, but it's about people that have found something and they come to the house of God and said, I will repent. I will be baptized in Jesus' name and I will be filled with the Holy Ghost because I recognize that that's what my life needs. So it cannot be to put attention on what we as an individual are doing. 
I, I, I struggle. I struggle with people that talk about how many Bible studies they give a week. And I know they're trying to say I'm out. I'm out trying to invite people to church and I'm, I'm working with people. But it's more important just to say, you won't believe the Bible study that I taught this week and the enlightenment that happened. I saw the light come on. I, I, I watched somebody that got the revelation of who Jesus is. I, that's important. But we don't need to build our own kingdom. That's not what this is about. We're building the kingdom of God. Amen? That's why I gave you the, the disclaimer. I'm not coming after anybody. I'm just very passionate about it. It's to bring people to Calvary. It's to bring people to Calvary. Because when you get them to Calvary, anything can happen in their life. The brokenness can be fixed. They can get their life put back together. Their marriages can be put back together. There's a lot of things that happen in a service that sometimes we don't even see. When they walk out of here, their life is brand new. Why? Because somebody dared to bring them to Calvary. And somebody dared to expose them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we need to do it. Our purpose in mentoring people is to further the kingdom of God and bringing them to Calvary. We need to build relationships. I read a book once that encouraged this. And one of the chapters was simply, but first barbecue. But first barbecue. And I think that's important, especially if you like barbecue food. If you like steaks and hamburgers and hot dogs and, and brisket and tri-tip and all those wonderful things that Brother Brock and myself really like to eat. And he's so very good at talking about it and almost makes you feel like you're reading from the Word of God about the food. I will never forget when he said that good news maketh the bones fat. And he said, I have no bad news for you tonight. Pretty good. That, that's a scripture. Good news maketh the bones fat. But build relationships. Barbecue is the title of one of the chapters. And we have to foster relationships before we can see growth in their spiritual life. This is so important in the process of mentoring people. Some people step in here and they don't know anything about what is happening. Other people have an idea. They have an inkling. Some, some, something tells them that this is the place I need to be in. I've been here. I've been there. I've been at this place. And the singing, the music, it was great, but it didn't feel like it does here. They already have an idea. Some people don't have much of an idea at all about what's happening in this place. And so we need to become friends with them. We are called to disciple people or mentor people. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. That last verse, I, I read this for scripture reading Sunday. And as I went back to my seat, Brother Bravers says, that last verse gets lost a lot of times. And it does. But it, it has such truth right there. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he's already saying you're going to have to make disciples. You're going to have to do something than just inviting somebody. I, I, it must have been great to be there on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls added. I mean, it spilled out on the street. It wasn't hard to understand that something's happening. And people said, I want to be a part of that. Well, that's not just for the book of Acts. I'm sorry. 
I know it's hard for us to fathom that, but could you imagine breaking out here and all of a sudden everybody's looking around saying, what's happening at 1418 West Columbus? I believe it could happen. I believe 3,000 souls could be added in one day. I do believe that. But it's not always like that. And so you don't have people that understand everything that's happening. And so we need to, when these people come, we've got to gravitate towards them and, and learn about them. Figure out what they do, what their interests are, where they like to eat, because that's important. When you say, hey, would you like to go grab some food? I was thinking about going over here, and they say, man, that's, a, that's my favorite place. Well, you figured it out. You, you have done enough conversation. You've, you've had enough conversations that you, you know that they like Italian food or Mexican food, hopefully Mexican food, because that's what I like. But, you know, you just you get to know these things. And so you go out to eat with them and you spend some time with them. You fellowship with them. You talk about the goodness of God. You connect with them on another level than just being brother so-and-so. And I know some people are going to be pretty upset about this statement that I'm saying, but giving a Bible study and getting folks baptized isn't enough. heard of a guy that baptized somebody the guy just pulled the needle out of his arm and he got in a baptismal tank and he got baptized and when he got out of there he's probably thinking how did I get all wet what is happening here because he didn't understand why he was being baptized but somebody's out there just throwing people down dunking them in Jesus name and that's great at some point in his life Maybe he'll remember and he'll, he'll have already been baptized, but it's not enough just to teach a Bible study and get somebody baptized and walk away and leave them sitting there. That's like having the baby and leaving it at the hospital. Who's going who's gonna to parent that baby? Who's going to take care of it? Who's going to wipe the dirty diaper? Who's going to take care of all the stuff that needs to happen? Who's going to give it a bottle? Who's going to do all of the things that needs to be done? You're going to leave them there on the side of the road somewhere unsure about what my relationship with God is. I need to know that I can give someone the, the, the way to live, the guidelines of what you're supposed to be, how to, how to walk, how to talk, how to not be like the world, but like the church of the living God. I can't imagine leaving a kid. It's unbelievable how much mischief a child can get into if you just leave him for a few seconds. It really is. And... My granddaughter was at my house the other day. This was not mischief. This was a mistake. She accidentally spilled some pretzels on my side of the bed in the floor. And so she wanted to put them back in the bag because that was going to fix the problem. Nobody has to pick up. Well, I said, oh, no, don't do that because, then they, you know, there might be hair or something on the floor that gets in the bag. We don't want – just leave them there. And she – what was the phrase she was using? It doesn't matter. Everything was it doesn't matter. I said – Rose, what am I going to do when I go to bed? There's pretzels over there. She goes, it doesn't matter, Papa. Just, just let Lolly sleep on that side. You go to the other side. <laughs> Sounded good to me because there were no pretzels on that side. But thank God for a, a wife that likes to clean. She cleaned it up and everything was okay. It doesn't matter, Rosie. Lolly cleaned it up. So giving a Bible study, getting folks baptized isn't enough. It's just the beginning. It's the first part of being a child of God. Every one of us have to go on unto perfection. 
We need to learn to walk with people in their journey to perfection or maturation, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. It's right from the word of God. It's right from the mouth of Jesus Christ before he ascended. This is important. And so when I am connecting with new people at church, I am first showing myself friendly. Next, I am showing them how a Christian acts how they should walk and talk, how to be faithful to the house of God, how to foster a close relationship with the master, how to strive to be what God has called us to be. Allow the Holy Ghost to work through you. Use you in a way that is encouraging and uplifting. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And I, I thought of this, and I put this in there, and sometimes it's easy for us, and sometimes we think, well, People have been here a little while, and you try to give them a task. They're not asking for it. You just try to give them something because they need to be moving forward. That can be one of the worst things ever. What you do need to be giving them is purpose and a vision for them to understand. We have new people that come in. Sister Willie is a great example. She came, and she didn't seem to be here but a few days, and we had 238, and she wanted to be involved. And all of a sudden, she told us how excited she was that she got to have a key to the, the toilet paper dispenser and the paper towel dispenser. And she was going through there and replacing the paper goods that were going out because we had a, over a thousand people here. And she was so happy to serve. Why? Because she got a purpose and a vision in her mind that says, I need to be doing something in the kingdom of God. It didn't come because somebody said, why don't you go take care of the bathroom? I've got a funny story about that. My, my father had a man that was kind of his assistant pastor in a small church in Oregon when I was about 10 years old. And he was going to general conference, and he, or, or no, take that back. The guy came to him and said, I've got a few days off from vacation, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to be around here. He said, is there anything that needs to be done? My dad said, well, to be honest with you, he said, both toilets are not working very good. They need to be reworked. Need to go through them and, and make sure that they're working well because we got people that are coming to church, and they need to have a good restroom. And the guy looked at him, and he goes, oh, Brother Fields, I'd rather do anything than do that. And he turned around and walked away. And my dad said, oh, just another thing that he had to take care of because it needed to be done. Sometimes giving people a, a, a task like that, if they're not in the right place, it doesn't help them, it doesn't help you, and it helps nobody. And I will say that man should have been in a better place, that he should have just said, yes, pastor, I'll take care of that. I mean, just go down to the hardware store and grab some stuff and rebuild the toilets. I've had to do it a number of times being married for 30 years and having children. It happens. But sometimes we can't just give a task to somebody. We need to make sure that they understand there's a purpose and there's a vision for their life, and they need to be seeking that. Scripture tells us that without a vision, the people perish. We've got to have a vision. We've got to understand why we're here. Why are we, why are we inviting people? Why are there teams that show up here every Saturday and go out and knock a door? And why is there a team that stays here and prays for the team that's going out and knocking the doors? And why, after, after they're gone doing that and they come back and maybe a week later, why does somebody pick up a phone and say, hey, we heard that you had a conversation with so-and-so. We're wanting to find out if you need a ride to church. Why are we doing all of those things? Because we have a purpose and we have a vision and we want to save the lost of this city. There's only one thing that we need to understand is if they're lost, we have what they need. If they're going to hell, we want to make sure that they have a chance to go to heaven. I don't want to be stuck somewhere and somebody doesn't care enough to tell me about who Jesus is. I hope that if I'm ever in a place that I need somebody, that there's somebody that's going to answer the call. 
One of the last things I want to say. You need to be encouraging in their experience and help them to see the importance of sharing their testimony. There will come a time that you can step back and you can watch those people that you mentored. And you watch another couple or a, a young person walk through the door and you look at the person that you mentored as they make their way to that person and they begin to mentor that person. That's what this is about. That's our purpose. On purpose. I've got a purposefully get up every day and say, what am I going to do about what my purpose is? If my purpose is to mentor people and teach people and and reach people, then it's got to be something that is intentional every day. As the musicians come, I have I think I've used this example before, but I'd like to tell it again because I think it it expresses everything I've tried to teach tonight. Several decades ago, I heard a story from someone that was able to attend the Special Olympics. If I'm not mistaken, it was just a run around the track one lap. And he said the kids were lined up. The crowd was roaring. Parents in the stand are ready to encourage their kid to run as fast as he could to the finish line. And they took off. The guy waved a flag because the sound of a gun may have been a little bit too traumatic for some of these children. So they waved a flag and off they went. They rounded the first turn and parents were cheering. There was noise everywhere. It just was, he said it was amazing. He said people were cheering on these kids that some of them struggled to get one foot in front of the other. They were doing their best and they were just running for all they were worth. They rounded the second turn and parents were still cheering. Everybody was excited because these kids were running a track. And they start down the straightaway. All of them excited. They were, they were waving their hands. They were screaming. They were running. The parents were just out of their minds excited for these kids. And they rounded the third turn. And all of them still were in close proximity to each other. And as they rounded the last turn for the home stretch and headed for that ribbon for the finish line, one little boy on the outside edge tripped and fell. And over the den of everything that was happening, the screaming and the yelling and the cheering, this little boy let out a just a guttural cry because he fell and he hurt himself. And they said the interesting thing was is that everybody was screaming. Some people had no clue. They were still, their eyes were laser focused on their child and they were so excited. Said it took about three, four seconds and, and the other kids that were running, the, the track mates of the one that fell, Above all of the noise, they heard this scream, this cry from this little boy. And as one group, they turned and looked like this. And their little buddy was laying in a heap just around the last corner on the outside of the track. And the man that told me, with tears in his eyes, said, I've never seen anything quite like it. He said, as a unit, he said, every runner turned and they walked back. And they grabbed their buddy for the CJ help me out. And they all grabbed their, their friend, put your arm around me. And as one unit, they walked down the home stretch. And they got close to that ribbon. And as one unit, they walked through that ribbon. And they all finished the race. Thank you. 
That day it wasn't about if I could beat my buddy. Had nothing to do with the fact that I'm faster than you are. And there were parents in that, in that stadium that probably were thinking, what in the world is my kid doing? But I'm sure that every tear of every one of those parents or every eye had a tear of every one of those parents when they recognized that there was a greater purpose there. Every one of them looked and said, I don't care if I finish first, but we all have to finish. Paul made a statement about that he didn't baptize everybody. That he, he named some that he had baptized. But he wasn't one to get into conversation and a, and a conflict with somebody saying, you know how many people I put down in the watery grave? You know how many people I've prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Do you know how many Bible studies I've taught this week? If we can get a vision of what we've been asked to do and understand our purpose, I don't care if I finish before somebody. I'd rather not leave this world before some people. I'll be honest with you. But when I cross over those pearly gates, I want to look and see that somebody else is crossing at the same time. I want to know that somewhere down the line, if, I'm, if I get old, I can't say old and gray-headed because I'm already gray-headed, but if I get old someday, I want to be able to look back and say, did I help anybody? Did I teach enough Bible studies? Did I, did I pray enough with somebody? Did I mentor enough? I will never forget a, a prayer meeting I had right there on the corner. Brother Eccles used to sit there faithfully before service. And he had passed on. And I went to a Mexican restaurant and I ate and I drank iced tea and I come to prayer and I got right there and I said, God, I want to be hungry and thirsty like Brother Eccles was. And God gave me a hunger and a thirst I never felt in my life. And it opened my eyes that somewhere a gray-haired old man that preached the gospel was so hungry and so thirsty to see people come to the house of God and pray through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. One of the last Sunday nights of his life, he was at home, and he said, I wish I could have went to church tonight to pray somebody through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's what I want to be. I don't care about who finishes first, but I want to know that we all finish, and we finish well. Our goal should be to share the gospel with as many people as we can get in contact with. Worship with them as they sing tonight. And I would like everyone to come to the front tonight and to commit to saying, I will do what has been asked of me. I will, I will find my purpose in life. I will be intentional about my purpose.
tonight was our purpose on purpose. Lately, I've been thinking just with the growth of church, the harvest, everything moving the way it is, I always want to evaluate myself and know that I'm not just coming to the house of God to be only a recipient. And that's easy to do. We work, we labor in the day, we get tired, stressed out, so sometimes it's easy just to come and to receive. It was once said that everybody should have somebody that's mentoring them, and they should be mentoring someone else. You have your friends that are on the same plane. I never want to get to the place to where I think I know it all, or I have it all together, because I don't, I don't. I don't. There's fallacies in this human flesh, and if we rely on it or think we're something, we're not. The Bible says if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. So I need a mentor. I need somebody to speak truth to me. I need somebody to let me know how God can work in my life. Maybe through teaching or preaching, or maybe through just uh, just examples. I'm telling someone today, Brother Fields, this was an amazing message. He is a mentor, and that's what he does. That's what is part of his ministry. He takes those families and he encourages them. And he'll tell you it doesn't take a whole lot. You know, you just encourage someone over the phone or talk about a good service or, or just give them a word. But I'm telling you, if you're a single mom today and you may not be a great teacher or you're, you're a parent you don't know how to be a great mentor just being faithful to the house of God is mentorship taking your children and saying hey you know this is where what we do this is our behavior this is what we do as apostolics we go to the house of the Lord and we're faithful that's mentoring somebody amen amen I, one of the most impactful men, mentorships that I've had is I was blessed with the opportunity to, to stay with our founding elder there's many great moments I had with Brother I.H. Terry. Many, many, many things which are not written in this book, which I cannot tell, you know, because there's just so many good stories. But probably the most impacting thing that Brother Terry taught me was when I was staying in his house, and he was 80, over 80 years old. There's a lot of messages you can hear. It takes a long time to get a gate. The hounds of hell, the hounds of heaven. All these messages I got to hear him preach, some of them firsthand, some of them by tape. But really what impacted me the most, Bishop, was when I would wake up every morning right at 6 o'clock because he was praying in his own room, talking to God as if God, and he really was, was sitting on the edge of the bed at his age. And it impacted me how we can get so caught up in life that we take out the most easiest relationship that we have with God, and that's praying. You can be a mentor today just by your actions. We could spend a lot of time today, I know I could, and name many individuals that aren't preachers, that aren't just men, ladies included, that have mentored me and showed me what it is to be a servant in the kingdom of God. And lastly, I like to say none of this that we do. I like the ending story of the race of the Special Olympics. None of this we do, anything we do isn't for self. This is not the kingdom of self. This is not for position, and this is not to proclaim who I am, and I'm great at giving Bible studies, and I'm baptizing this. We know. No, this is about our kingdom, the kingdom of God. And we're serving together, and we're linked up, and we're making this thing grow. And I can't do it without you. And I hope you can say the same of me. But we need to teach each other, and we're doing that today. What a powerful message. Our purpose on purpose. I like it. Amen. Let's pray together, and let's make a commitment. God, help me.